This is episode 35 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is entrepreneur, author, and speaker, Haley Hoffman-Smith. Let's get it started. Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where I get to talk to some phenomenal individuals about their particular journeys and all the different peaks and valleys that come with it. You know, really the hope is that it motivates and inspires you guys to get out there and be as fulfilled as you can be in life in whatever you're doing. And folks that are already out there have taken the leap of faith, have gone out their comfort zone and said, hey, Brian, I'm trying to crush it right now and, and do those type of things. You guys will also be able to take some key insights away from these guests, you know, things that they've been through that may help you along your way, help you navigate the waters a little bit differently um, than you're currently doing. Okay, so let's transition and please everyone welcome my guest today, Haley Hoffman-Smith. You can find her online at Haley Hoffman-Smith on Instagram. Her website is HaleyHoffmanSmith.com and Haley is spelled H-A-L-E-Y. She's the author of Her Big Idea. It's a book on creativity, ideation, and women's empowerment. Um, she's a keynote speaker, so she's spoken at Harvard and Yale and Microsoft, and the list goes on there. Um, she also started a nonprofit at the age of 18 to help with girls' literacy around the world. So some really neat stuff that she's done in her early career. She's now the director of community for NextGen Summit, which is the premier entrepreneurship community with over like 5,000 members. Um, so... Some neat stuff that she's doing. Um, I'm excited for you guys to listen in and hear her feedback on you know, her journey and some of the different hurdles that she's jumped through, especially starting a nonprofit and writing a book and those type of things. So without further ado, let's jump into my interview today with Haley Hoffman-Smith. Let's get it started. Haley, pleasure to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm excited to be here. Well, so I wanted to get started as I generally do where, you know, one of the things I'm intrigued about and really want to talk to you about is, you know, at a young young age, you've done a lot of things already, uh, which is quite an accomplishment. I, I really wanted to start back and get in this conversation around, you know, entrepreneurship with you. Um, and let's just take it back as far as you'd like to go. Of, And I want to get into the nonprofit a little bit that you started when you were 18. But did you grow up having a lot of these entrepreneurial type tendencies or did that come later in life? Can you share a little bit about your upbringing and kind of some of the things that maybe prompted all this? Sure. So to answer that initial question, um, there were no entrepreneurial instincts or anything going on when I was a kid. The one thing that I always remember loving was books. Um, I was the kid who, you know, long after my bedtime would be under the covers reading books with a flashlight. And when I turned 18, I was, uh, I had just finished my freshman year of college at CU Boulder. And throughout all of this, I didn't really feel like I had a clear purpose or passion in life. Um, felt like a few of my peers did have clear direction. I was studying political science, thought I'd go into politics or be an attorney. Um, but yeah, I hadn't really thought about business or anything. And all of a sudden, one day, I got this idea for a nonprofit where I would donate books uh, with powerful messaging about empowering women and knowing your worth um, to girls around the world in mentoring groups. And then I'd write a curriculum to go along with the books. And this was also born of like earlier experiences in high school. I had mentored uh, middle school girls when I was in high school and then also high school girls. 
And so I love that mentorship component, getting together with a group of girls who you could trust and be yourself around and adding that element of a curriculum to it where you're talking through these books with really powerful messaging and see how that could impact girls' lives and their um, perception of what they could do and be in the world. And it's funny because that was my intention for helping others, right? But through starting this first nonprofit and having it spread to Pakistan and the Philippines and all over the United States, um, really I found that it was me who was creating a self-concept for the first time that was really um, built in my own self-worth and what I felt like I could create and bring to the world. So it was that first entrepreneurial experience that um, got me bit by the entrepreneurial bug. And I was like, gosh, what else can I create? This has been so fun. <laughs> Well, so give us an idea, because I'm, I'm just more one fascinated and curious and a lot of different words like that around like, how did you get, how did you start that? Like, what did you, who did you lean on? What, what books maybe did you read? Like, how did you know how to start a nonprofit and actually grow it to the level that it did? I had no idea. Oh my gosh. I've never taken a business class in my life. My parents are doctors and I didn't know anyone who had ever started a company. But, you know, we have Google on our side these days. So I was like, this is what I'm doing for sure. One day I sat down in a coffee shop. It was like a Saturday, this coffee shop called Wash Perk, like Central Perk from Friends, um, by the Washington Park in um, Denver, Colorado, where I live. And I Googled how to start a nonprofit. And it was like pretty simple, it seems. I'm like, you know, you file your articles of incorporation and then you apply for your 501c3 status. And I just sat down right there and I did it. <laughs> like I was clear on the name, um, Lit Without Limits. So I was in a class my senior year called AP Lit. Everyone called it that. So I really liked saying lit. But then this was before that whole phenomenon of everyone saying, let's get lit tonight. So, oh my gosh, that was like <laughs> super embarrassing. Turns out to have a nonprofit called Lit Without Limits. But um, yeah, so just set set it up that day i remember going over to friend's house that night and i'm like i started a nonprofit today like thinking it was just about like the contract etc but i was really devoted to the mission and it was all that i could think about so i started working on the website and i just started asking people like people know more than you think or if they don't know then they know somebody who probably knows and i was just playing that game of you know trying to figure things out as they went along i remember the biggest challenge was trying to put like the cart before the horse or not knowing what to do first in terms of how am I going to find the girls to donate to, especially on this international um, scale, um, but also like how am I going to find the donors to donate the money so I can pay for all of these books and the shipping costs. Um, and so thankfully I had a few women in my life who really believed in me. One of them was actually my AP Lit teacher who donated some money so I could get started. And I started in the United States and just kind of just proved the proof of concept by donating to some schools in Georgia and New York and seeing how the girls like the curriculum. And from there, I started an ambassador program. So this is like, I always tell people, and this is what I say in my, in my speech, because you know, I'm on a speaking tour, which we can get into, but I always say, start before you're ready. Because I think oftentimes people come up with an idea and they're like, mm, let me like think on it for a while, or they don't feel compelled to start it immediately. And um, maybe six months into starting my nonprofit, I had this idea for an ambassador program. So I would have all these girls who are following me on Instagram who are interested in the cause to become ambassadors. Um, and you really use them as the girls who are going out into the world and starting these chapters and their countries and their states and telling people about them and really being a champion for the cause. And I started it literally overnight. Uh, I had over 45 ambassadors at one point, and that's how I was able to launch internationally, which is really cool. So a lot of it was just daring myself, saying like, what else do I have to lose here? And going for it with all I got, even though I didn't know what I was doing. And 
I think at that point it was, it was really a strength to just go for something without feeling like I first had to sit back and make a plan and figure it out beforehand. Cause I think I may have talked myself out of it if I had done that. Yeah. And I think going through those struggles, obviously, or, you know, that's, that's awesome learning and you advance yourself a lot quicker. If you do look back on it and reflect, is there anything that you would have done differently or maybe something, you know, now you're like, I oh, mean, I wish I knew that in the first month that would have made things a lot easier. I'm just curious, maybe any perspective on it. Yeah, my one big mistake was hiring friends because it was my first time starting a business, obviously. And so I was like, oh, sure, like everybody can be a part of this. And people always, it's not like I was paying anybody, but they, I mean, that was something they they had on their resume is to work for this nonprofit. And I gave this one girl who I had been really close friends in high school with um, the title of chief financial officer. And before I even launched the website myself, which I had been working on, she posts on Facebook. Um, our website for our nonprofit is live and just was like out of control, didn't work on any of it at all. And I didn't know how to deal with that relationship because she was my friend, right? And so I had to have a really hard conversation of like, girl, like you didn't help with anything and you need to follow my lead and this is my thing. And I know that we're friends and now there's a power dynamic, but this is how it is. And so she was literally with the company for like a month, but that was just me being really naive and thinking I could share what I was creating with everyone and not, I, a lot of it was learning how to hold my own and be really firm and be the boss, uh, which is hard when you're starting out. Cause I also, you know, didn't know what I was doing. And I, I worried that other people didn't thought I didn't know what I was doing or knew that I did it. And so being the boss was hard. <laughs> Yeah, I want to transition to with that in terms of, and maybe this is part of why you wrote the book. I'm not sure, but your book that you wrote, um, I want to transition to that because I'm always, again, curious the the fact that you decided to write a book and especially at, at a younger age, right? And just said, hey, I'm going to go for it and, and accomplish this. What was the vision behind the book initially? And, and how did that process go in terms of the writing process and getting it published and those type of things? Yeah, so I actually have two books. So the first book that came out was called She Is Without Limits, came out when I was 20 years old. And to get to that point in the story, I'm going to rewind a bit. So after I, I guess, fired my original chief financial officer, um, one of my, I mean, I guess she, she was like a friend and a mentor. She was twice my age, had um, a good amount of money, a lot of experience in the financial world. Um, and she came on as the chief financial officer after I'd been doing a lot of it myself. I just like needed some help with the expenses and, and accounting stuff. And we worked so well together in that capacity. I think by then I knew that I could hold my own and be firm and be the boss. And so because the, the power roles, I guess, were laid out correctly, things were great with us working together on the nonprofit. And I had an idea for a for-profit, uh, which would take Live Without Limits to the next level and have like an online blog and forum for women to connect. And there would be lines of apparel um, using the she is tagline because in my book, different chapters were like, she is learning to love herself or um, she is obliterating her own limits, et cetera. So she was like, let's do it. Let's go for it. And she had the money. And so she's like, I'll invest. Um, we'll shake across the table 50-50 and mine will be from, you know, buying equity and yours will be sweat equity today and intellectual property. And I was like, sure, sounds good. Because <laughs> at that point, I, you know, I'm like, well, like, where else am I going to find the money? So we got started and things were really awesome at first, had a huge launch party when the book came out. Um, and we also had Lions of Apparel come out. So they said, she is changing the game. She is putting in the books and a lot of momentum around that. And then I went back for my, so this is my junior year of college. I went back to my um, second semester of my junior year at, at Brown 
and she moved to Thailand and she said she was going to work on the company from there because she quit her full-time job to work on it. And when she got out there, she just completely stopped working on the company. Like we'd have meetings, but then they'd really turn more into her updating me on like what she was doing in Thailand. And she wasn't getting any of the work done. And she was telling me to do big things like make the business plan when she wasn't even sharing any of the financials. And I had no idea where we stood financially. And things got really tense. And um, every time I tried to make like a decision for the company or move it forward or you know, take ownership back a little bit, just in actions, she said, whoever has the money calls the shots. And so I learned very quickly that because she was the one who was investing in the company and a lot of things that we did took money, she would not trust me to come up with uh, the next plan of action or the strategy on my own. And I was basically an intern in my own company and everything that I had created. And I mean, this is like the culmination of my nonprofit, my first book and my first for profit, all of which were my ideas, the first things that I had created. And it was really hard. So she came back to Denver. Um, and then this is the summer after my junior year. And she said, we're dissolving the company. It's like up to me and you owe me for half the debt. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like what is that? First of all, I didn't owe her for anything, but I didn't know this. It's an LLC and our operating agreement clearly states that I don't owe her, but I believed that I did because she was like older than me and I just, I was very naive. Um, and then also on top of that, like it was Dunzo's, right? Like she, the company was dissolved. Uh, so I was really upset about this, uh, rightfully, for a few months. And after a bit of time, I decided to start an incubator at Brown to help other female students bring their ideas to life and help them know all the things that I wish that I had known when I was starting this company. Um, things like the legalities of it, making sure roles are evenly explained in terms of like the responsibilities and expectations, just honestly everything. And starting up this incubator was really helpful for me, just in feeling like I was getting back on the entrepreneurial horse, so to speak, and helping other women. And I mean, going back, I told you, like, I mentored girls all throughout high school, and I, my all of my entrepreneurial ideas are about helping women, and so it really helped me feel like I was back in my full power, and so then I started writing my next book called Her Big Idea, and it's basically a combination of the story, my entrepreneurial story, and all of its raw details, uh, things that I learned, similarities in other people's stories, and basically challenges the notion that we shouldn't go after big ideas for whatever reason, and instead encourages action upon big ideas. So that book came out in June of this past year. So right after I graduated from Brown, and yeah, it's really the this epicenter of everything that I do now in terms of my fund, um, the ways that I still mentor women, and then now my speaking tour. And, and one last question on the, and, and maybe it's on both books, but maybe this book that you just um, had come out. How did you go through the um, the writing process of that as well as like, did you kind of write it all in one or two days? Did you kind of, you know, batch writing it over a period of time? Like what did that writing process? And then I'm also really curious to share, because I know there's a lot of folks listening probably that they want to write a book or they've thought about writing a book or they're not sure how to get into it. How did you go through the publishing side of things? Did you self-publish? Did you use a publisher? How did that work? Yeah. So both books were really different. The first book, She Is Without Limits. Um, I didn't write it in a few days, but I wrote it in like literally a few weeks. Basically, I just assigned myself. It was a different type of book because each chapter could be essentially like a blog post. So I would write, I'd wake up an hour earlier every morning and basically just like write a chapter. And really the part that took the longest of that was the editing. And then we self-published. So learned to they went along, did the create space thing, but I knew nothing about publishing a book on that first run. 
um, my co-founder was helping me with a lot of it. And then I remember instead of like telling anybody that I was about to publish a book, I literally just posted on Facebook one night and it was like, my book is out. <laughs> it's like not a good marketing strategy at all. And I remember being upset because only like 11 people bought the book that first night. Like, I don't know what I was expecting if you're not like drumming up anticipation. So the second book uh, did it a very different way. I, I did it through a program called the Creator Institute. Eric Custer, um, he's part of the Next Gen community. He's a professor at Georgetown. And essentially at Georgetown, he was teaching an entrepreneurship class, but he wanted to do something different. And he decided to make a class where all of the students write books and then have a manuscript at the end of the class. And the first time he did it, he took the manuscript to a publisher and the publisher was like, oh my gosh, like all, a lot of these are actually really, really good. Like I could publish these. And so he published these people's books. And so his whole institute is about taking what you create and making it like a big creation of it in your life that will determine the rest of your life and the ways that you want to make an impact in the world. So for example, one student he was working with really wanted to work at SpaceX, but they didn't know anything about like rockets or they didn't have any experience in that area. So they wrote a book about rockets and interviewed past people who worked at SpaceX, et cetera, and essentially became an expert in all things rocket and space related, published this book, and then landed the job at SpaceX because he's proving credibility and expertise in a certain area. And so I didn't really feel like I needed to prove expertise per se, but I have always, you know, been into female entrepreneurship. And so I had the idea for the book, her big idea in my head for a while. And he, uh, I was in a cohort for his, his program, which was really nice. So I was doing it along with eight other students. They had a developmental editor help, uh, which was great. Cause I was basically just like writing whatever I wanted to write without having to worry about like, this is chapter one and this is chapter two. And they'd help us put it together. They did the um, the formatting of the book, the copywriting, or they hired a copywriter, they did the cover, and then they helped us with a launch plan. So my launch was a big deal. And I deb debuted as a number three bestseller in women in business, which is one of the hardest categories on Amazon and a number two new release when it came out. Um, but yeah, so we published through his publishing company, which is called New Degree Press. And I really, I recommend that to everyone. Like if you're going to write a book, you're going to need to be held accountable for it. And it's really good if you're working with people who are holding you accountable to word count and making sure that you're staying on track and that you're using the book as a means to an end. Because obviously it's amazing to write a book and I love my book and I'm a writer and I think the book is awesome, but it's more of like what the book has done for me and how I can impact the world because now I'm seen as like an expert in women's entrepreneurship and women of VC and I can use that to do my speaking tour, et cetera. You know, I also think that's a great testament of, you know, utilizing your network and, and relying on others and resources, and those type of things that are some folks that want to, you know, huddle in a cave and just do it themselves, um, which is fine, I guess. But as you mentioned, I mean, there was a lot of help you got through that process to kind of propel that yeah. and obviously make it um, up there, which is awesome. So I, I do want to transition because I want to mention kind of on, on point with the book and some other stuff is the speaking, because I'm always fascinated, again, people that go out and, and speak in public and um, get asked to speak and how that process goes of getting asked. And as well as, you know, just the, is there nervousness around it? Like, how do you prepare? Um, oh. Is there anything you do on a, on a, from a routine standpoint to prepare for each speech or to kind of make sure that you're on your kind of, uh, I don't know, the, the, the best, the, the kind of best mind forward, I guess. Yeah. So I was, so even my senior presentation, the, my thesis presentation that I gave just this past May, like, so not that long ago at all. Um, I was so nervous and all I had to do was read off a piece of paper and to a room of like six people. And now I'm like standing in front of 300, you know, going off of memory. So 
Um, I have to say, if you feel compelled to speak and like you have a message that you want to share, you have to jump in with both feet. And I knew I had to do this and I had to push past the fear and it really scared me and I knew it was going to be really uncomfortable. Um, and I still get pretty nervous before it's gotten better every time, but I just forced myself to live on the other side of fear. Um, in terms of booking the speaking tour, et cetera, um, going back to my whole notion, I guess like my life mantra of starting before you're ready. Um, I didn't even write the speech. I basically started emailing schools and getting introductions to entrepreneurship programs, et cetera. And I was like, hey, I'm starting the speaking tour with the intention to inspire action on a thousand new big ideas in the 2018 to 2019 school year. Would you like to have me? And books uh, for beginning of, or sorry, well, the end of 2018, I guess first semester of the 2018-2019 school year, Harvard, Yale, Columbia, Northeastern, and CU Boulder. And I booked them for October, and I literally sat down to write the speech like the week before. But I, and that, I think that's a testament to like going back to, to like some people who just want to write books and to hold themselves accountable on their own. Like you have to have something that's going to hold you accountable and is going to force you to start because I, yeah, obviously I wanted to be a speaker, but I was also really nervous about it and scared about it. And I knew it was a big jump. And if I had told myself like, okay, why don't we start slow and write the speech first? I would have never finished the speech. Like I just never would have, or it would have taken me much longer than I'd wanted to versus going out there, booking it. And then saying, okay, well, now I definitely have to do the speech because these people are expecting me there and I like just booked my plane ticket, right? So anybody who wants to be a speaker, I encourage them to just get out and go for it and have it really in alignment with their branding based off things they've done in the past. So, I mean, it was really good to tie it with a book because the book shares my story, but it's also so closely tied into what I feel like my purpose and my passion is in this world. So yeah, the speaking tour has been awesome. And Anyone who wants to do it, even if you're nervous, you just got to go for it. And then you'll, it gets better every time. Um, I will say I really memorized the speech. Like to pra I over-practiced. And so the first time I gave the speech, it was really good because I, was, I had all that adrenaline. And then by the third time I gave that speech, because it was so memorized, I felt like a robot. So over-memorizing a speech is not good. Um, once you know your stuff, that's awesome because you can lean on it. But I encourage people to add a little extra something, something every time they give the speech, whether it be like switching up a slide or adding a new slide or changing up a story just to keep everything fresh, um, even though that does kind of bring back some of the anxiety about like, oh, am I going to say this right? I haven't practiced it enough. But ultimately, that's much better than being really a dull and dry speaker who's just like rehearsing from second nature. Yeah, that's a good that's a good tip though. You don't want to sound like a robot. That's probably not the uh, yeah. what, what they're looking for. Not the move. Exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. You, you mentioned um, and you talked about you know the the professor at Georgetown and, and some other folks. But is there any any mentors that you have right now or anyone that you know? I kind of call folks some some of the folks my virtual mentors. You know, maybe you follow their message or content online as well. But anyone in particular you would kind of share that's helped you out along your way. Oh my goodness, there's so many people. Um, I'll have to say like, so I work for NextGen and Justin and Dylan, I know you know Justin, they are amazing mentors to me and they always help me with everything and they're just great people to lean on. Um, in terms of people who are a bit older, I had a professor kind of at Brown. She basically was like in charge of my few independent studies. Her name is Deb Mill Schofield. And she's just taught me a lot about business. She's like an innovation consultant. so has helped me see business from a more strategic side, considering, I mean, you've heard me, I like work on instinct. <laughs> I'm like going out there and putting out products before I like test and validate the market, et cetera. So she's been really helpful on that front. But 
I just, I'm so thankful for so many people. I don't think I have like one mentor who I always go to, but I think the best part about it is especially being part of the next gen community. I have this community that I can lean on for really anything that I need and I can get diverse opinions and perspectives. And it's been awesome. I think building out your tribe and having people who you can trust and who are rooting for you is, it's the best gift that you can have. And it takes time and investment to build that community. And to make sure that you're offering it to them and you're not just like the one asking for things all the time. So always think about how you can offer value to those around you and continue to connect with people. And when you connect with them, come at it from a value first standpoint instead of connecting with them just to ask for something. And how do you, I know, you know, Justin was on the podcast recently, kind of shared the story of NextGen and how did you get involved with them and, and tell us a little about your role and some of the things you're doing with that. Yeah, so I'm their director of community, which is amazing. It's a community of over 5,000 young entrepreneurs, if anybody's listening and hasn't heard of NextGen. And we activate the community through in-person events. So we have our flagship event, the NextGen Summit, every June in New York City. It's a three-day event. Amazing, life-changing. And then we also have smaller one-day campus events. So we had one in Philadelphia in October, one in LA back in March. Um, Just a great way to get plugged into a community of like-minded people and resources for whatever you're creating, whether it be a business, a book, a podcast, if you're a creator, a mover and shaker, like we're here to help you. And I got involved in NextGen the summer before my senior year. I got an email from the Brown Entrepreneurship Program. It was like a mass email about a job opportunity to be a community manager for NextGen. And I was part of the NextGen community. And literally within two weeks of joining the NextGen community, which I had maybe six months prior, I got my first ever paid speaking gig. And this was before I was even a speaker and it was just for a panel. But all of a sudden I was connecting with all these people and opportunities abounded and I was making all my new best friends. And I'm like, what is this community? It's absolutely amazing. And then I saw this job description for somebody who's like, you know, the community manager and engaging with everyone and creating new initiatives. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that job was made for me. And so I applied and then I also sent them a novel length email a few months later just saying like, I'm the girl for this job. And thankfully they agreed. And the three of us are just, um, we, I, I call us the dream team. I have since my first interview, we um, are making the magic happen and it's been really awesome. So I joined them full time this summer and yeah, it's, um, it's uh, definitely it's exciting. That's the only word I have to describe it. Everything's new. No day is the same. It's not a nine to five job. It's my work all day, every day, but it's so much fun to help the community and to be a part of it and to create new ways to support them. What are some things maybe for yourself? I don't know if it's if certain goals you set for yourself. I always like to ask about like, you know, daily habits or routines that you go through. Anything in particular you could share um, maybe that's helpful for others. I don't know if you stick to something each and every day or just kind of go all over the map. <laughs> just kind of curious your thoughts there. I I am so all over the map. I have no routine. But the one thing that I do every single day is I write down in my little dream journal um, things that I want for my life. And I think writing things down has such a profound impact on how you can manifest them or keep your eye out for opportunities. And I make sure I'm writing down dreams that are so big that they scare me, like being on the cover of Forbes or, you know, just things that are really out there that like my dream life, what would it be? And that really keeps me focused. And um, I've heard a lot of people do that and it works for them. And there's been a lot of times that like now I don't have to write something down on that list anymore because I've actually accomplished it. Like how cool is that? So coming back to center, orienting yourself on what you want for your life and just having that one moment or series of moments every single day to write down that list 
and write it over and over again. Um, that's my one routine, the one constant <laughs> in my very busy life. Is there anything like, you know, from a knowledge standpoint, I'm always curious, you, you talked about kind of, you know, using the flashlight, reading a ton of books a year, you know, years ago. Is there any <laughs> different books you're reading now that you enjoy or that you would share like, or and, and they could be business related. They could just be, you know, ones from an entertainment standpoint, just to kind of get away. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Yeah. I have been reading slowly the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. And it's all about how hard work actually trumps talent. And that is a book that I frankly really needed to read because I know I'm a really good writer and that I'm really talented. And that sounds really like full of myself and cocky, but I was depending on my talent too much. And I don't think I was working very hard for a long time. And I kind of had this realization a few months ago, like a few things didn't work out the way that I wanted them to. And I was like, Haley, like you have not worked hard enough for it. Like you can't just expect that because of your God-given talents, you can get anywhere in this life. So um, that book is really helpful. Any motivational book where I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling jazzed up as I'm reading it is awesome. And then also the book, The Creative Curve uh, by Alan Gannett. Um, he's a friend of mine. I wrote an article on his book for Thrive when it came out. Um, but that one's really along the lines of her big idea in the sense of coming up with the right idea, um, how to bring that idea to life, and a lot of the creativity behind ideas and like kind of debunking the mysticism mysticism of ideas. So that book has been really helpful in how I think through the ideation process. And I also quote it a lot in my speech that I give. So I really recommend that one for anybody who's interested in entrepreneurship. And I recommend Grit for anybody, absolutely anybody <laughs> who is on the hustle. Yeah. And I've read The Creative Curve. It's a fascinating, I, I love the research that Alan did in that. I mean, it was just- the, I the, know. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend that. I think I've probably recommended on previous podcasts to folks. So yeah, I'm awesome. Probably. Awesome, <laughs> awesome that, you've, uh, that you've read that and obviously enjoyed it as well. Um, I was going to ask this. I, I, I made a note here earlier and I want to ask, just I'm curious, I, I'm really big around having, you know, support systems around everyone and you know, kind of, you can't do it in your own, um, you know, it's not, just, it's not just yourself. You have to have others that kind of help along the way. But I'm curious, you mentioned that both your parents are doctors. Tell me about the support on, on their end. Like when you said, hey, I'm going to go into entrepreneurship and start a business stuff. What was that conversation like? Were they supportive initially? Was, have they, I'm, I'm just kind of curious of that dynamic because I've heard on either side of the spectrum, depending. Yeah, they are so supportive in terms of go Haley we believe you can have anything you want in this life and you're destined for greatness but they don't know much about business and it's cool because I get to fill them in on it and my dad has read some some good books that he quotes and my dad's a, an avid reader too um, really supportive in terms of just general support um, but I also think I think differently about business not being raised by parents who are in business like I know I have some friends who like their dad runs a business or their mom runs a business. And so they grew up around it and they, I don't know. I think I kind of have a fresh perspective on it and I see things a bit differently than like if I was raised having parents who were running businesses. I don't know for sure, but I definitely think I think differently than anyone else in business. And I think it's because I come from that creative background and then my parents are, I don't know, like I never saw a business that much growing up. I've been winging it as I, as I go along. Not a bad way to do it sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> what are, what are, you talked about some of the speaking engagement stuff. Um, what What are you excited about the next maybe six months, a year kind of on your plate or some things that you're excited to maybe share with the audience that you're going to be doing? Yeah. So I have 
well, it's pretty top secret. I have a um, product line coming out in February, and I can't say what it is yet, but really excited about that. That was something I was running down in my manifestation journal, something I've always wanted to do. There was never a clear path on how to do it, and the manufacturer for the thing that I wanted to start was in the audience when I gave a talk in LA a few weeks ago and actually approached me about starting the company. So really excited about that. Just I, I can't even put into words. Um, I'm really excited about my 2019 dates for the speaking tour. Speaking has been so much fun. I can't wait to amp it up. And on the next gen front, we're going to have an amazing next gen summit in June. So anyone who's listening needs to come. We'll be in New York City. We're making it bigger than ever. And yeah, just a lot of really good things in the pipeline and continuing to create and I'm open to new experiences and anything else that comes along the journey. And where, where can everyone find you online? Um, let's see. So my website is under construction, but it will be under www.hayleyhoffmansmith.com here in the next week or so. Um, and then also my Instagram is where I update everyone on every part of my life, which is just at Haley Hoffman Smith. So kind of as a, as a final, I guess, you know, parting words or, or parting uh, quotes or anything of that nature, something to leave the audience with. I'm just curious your thoughts, what you can think of. Uh, maybe it's a piece of advice, anything that you want to share um, kind of as a lasting impression of, you know, of Haley. Yeah. So one of my favorite things that I say in my talk is that you either make excuses or you make progress. And I think it happens in different parts of your life in terms of how, how much you're making excuses versus progress. And sometimes it's just people's default to make excuses rather than going after their dreams. But um, what I say is that the amount of energy that you invest either way is exactly the same because I spent my life in high school um, making a lot of excuses for myself. And, you know, like being an, a writer, I remember very vividly, I, my mom wanted me to do this writing competition slash contest. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And um, we always say I probably would have won, but I was always making excuses. And when I made excuses and procrastinated things and didn't do them for whatever reason, and I was denying my full power, that weighs on you a lot versus progress on your dreams or your goals or your startup or whatever can be really simple. It can just be like sitting down for 20 minutes and looking up how to start a nonprofit, right? The way that I did that first day or setting up a call with somebody who's done what you want to do before. So committing to progress instead uh, obviously ultimately gets you further, but just wanting people to know they think excuses can just be like, no, not right now for whatever reason or procrastinated on my life, but that really does weigh at you and the energy invested is exactly the same. I, I like those words there. And Haley, it's absolutely a pleasure to have you on here. I mean, I've really enjoyed your story and some of the stuff you've done and excited to uh, kind of see your trajectory going forward. Thanks again for joining. Thanks, Brian. It was super fun. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. One quick thing before you head off on your day. Um, if you don't mind, head over to iTunes. Leave me a quick review. Let me know how I'm doing. That feedback's really important for me to grow this podcast and get it out to more and more folks. Um, also, if you guys want to check me out online, brianandraco.com or at brianandraco on Instagram and Twitter. I look forward to engaging with you guys further. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Just get started.